Thank you for downloading the podcast of the local paper review with the Romford Recorder and Time 107.5. Enjoy. Time 107.5. Afternoon, I'm Stephen Allen. How's it going? I'm back, by the way. The uh, Antwerp thing. That was fun. More on that later. But it's a Friday, which means it's time for the local paper review today, joined by uh, Chris Carter, Laura Burnett, Ben Vaughan, all together in the house. And uh, it seems like age. Well, uh, not, how long was the last time since I've seen you, Laura? I can't remember. It's, it's been a good few weeks, it though, like so it's good good to be back. Nice to see you again. Nice to have you back. Yeah, Chris, it's like every week you're in it. Oh no, you can't can't get rid of me. Can't get rid of you. Can't get rid of you. <laughs> Had good weeks. It's been fun. What you been up to? Hectic, hectic weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anything uh, exciting? Any uh, any international travel? International travel. Uh, where did I go? I think I went to Ilford. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> close. That's, that's as good as my week then. Um, uh, ben, where did you go? Went to Ant. I did a gig in Antwerp. Yeah, did you? I done a funny. You, you were waiting. For- yeah. Uh, yeah, no one's going to ask. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm, I'm used to that vibe around here. Ben, how's tricks? Yes, good, thank you. Yeah, I heard David Cameron's doing a, a, a gig in Belgium at the moment. He pulled a later one than I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I was well off stage before that poor guy had got some rest. <laughs> um, although I think I came back with a better deal. Now, yeah. the... Oh, politics. Um, so let's take a look to see what's been happening in the, the local papers. Uh, who's start, are you starting us off, Chris? Yeah, I can start, start us off, uh, Steve. Yeah, we're doing this week the first story. I'd like to do an update on our mental health campaign mind your mental health Uh, because there's been some developments Um, first of all we had um, an official launch of the campaign at the house of commons last week on thursday oh yes so that was very good and thanks very much to andrew rossenthal mp who facilitated it for us and then it's an excellent uh, evening we had um, lots of various uh, people from the various health authorities and uh, supporters of Havering uh, Mind, which which is... I was going to say, give us the background on this then. The background, we launched the campaign in the beginning of January, and that is to really to get rid of the, the stigma which is, mm-hmm. surrounds mental health, also to challenge or to highlight the, the funding disparity in mental health as opposed to physical health, um, and also to highlight some of the um, services that are on offer in Havering, in particular through Havering Mind, who who we do, who we are coordinating the campaign with. Now, there was there was a survey in the week saying that in some parts of the UK, uh, young people are totally not looked after in terms of uh, mental health. In other parts, they do better than uh, grown-ups in terms of care. It's it's a postcode lottery type yeah. thing, depending on which demographic you are and whether you're going to get better care. Absolutely, and hopefully, uh, you probably saw the news uh, this week that the government there was a report that came out, which we've also done a story on, to say that um, there's a huge disparity in mental health funding. Surprise, mm. surprise! Something which we've been saying all along, uh, which has been going on for decades, and it's actually been costing lives and ruining lives. So um, the government are now going to plough a million pound into into funding mental health, which is which is great. Um, but obviously, it sounds a lot, doesn't it? A million pounds, but I'm well, guessing yeah. on not, you know on the on the, the basis of the health budgets, I'm I'm not sure it's that much really. It's going to make a difference, and I think also um, what they're looking at is helping a million extra patients, which is great. Um, well, that's that, a pound each so far. Yeah, exactly. I think actually, I think, I think, it's, I think a billion, it's a billion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, which still is, only a grand pounds, each. Then. Yeah, yeah, it's not those, but. Um, I think it's it's good though because I think what was clear from the launch last week was everyone said the same message. You know, we need to we need to there needs to be more awareness um, of this, and um, it needs to be recognised. I think 
all you hear about now, uh, which is great, is is about um, mental health issues, you know, in older people, younger people, every part of the community. And I think that even though it's not a massive start, the fact that this report's come out and recognised, yes, actually, people have been, thousands of people have been dying because there isn't enough support and there isn't enough being done to tackle mental health issues. So £1 billion, it's it's not great, but at least it's something to kind of put the meat on the bones of, of all these, you know, great... Um, pledges that people have been making, uh, you know, the government and and um, you know, councils to uh, to to make a difference. So it's a start. Yeah, Ben, how's it looking from uh, your point of view? Well, um, Time FM were at uh, the uh, launch at the Houses of Parliament as well, um, and it's always good. Uh, for us to support a great cause like uh, the Recorders Mind Your Mental Health campaign. Um, And thank you again to Andrew Rosendale for a very interesting tour of the houses. I think in terms of the stigma that Chris mentioned there, I think it could be a case here perhaps of uh, money talks. And the fact that now, although it's not a dramatic amount of money, at least people are now becoming more aware of it. Uh, They they can see government is putting in money to try and improve the situation. Mm. And therefore, I think if people see that, they might then take it more seriously as well and uh, won't just brush it off as as a few few problems. The issue is whether people take it... There is one issue of people take it seriously. And there is also this other thing that our language does that... We are, it, it's always compared to a broken leg, isn't it? The easy way to get into this and to, to understand it is to compare a mental health, health issue with a broken leg. No one ever shouts across the street, Oi, broken leg! There is, no, there is no vernacular that is an insult based on broken bones. And yet there are when it comes to mental health. People will use phrases. Mm-hmm. People will say, oh, you're not normal. Which is something that will send someone close to the edge. What is normal? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. It's that, and that's not about people taking it Seriously, that's almost a separate issue. There's a problem in our use of language and how we link particular diseases to insults. Yeah. And is that money going to change that? No, I mean, it's, it's a culture change, isn't it? And that's, mm. you know, there's, there's a lot of issues today which are, which are not going to change unless, unless there is a culture change. And I think, I think one of the things that we will be doing through the campaign is actually, you know, highlighting some of these issues with regard to language when it comes to mental health. You know, without being PC, sometimes, you know, I get quite frustrated when people call, you know, people who are mentally ill call them mental Mm. and things like that, you know. And and I actually noticed in one of the national papers last week, I think it was, and they said, and they used the word mental in in a headline. And I was kind of, I was looking at it and thinking... We've got a long way to go, haven't we? Really, mm. because uh, you know it, it's respecting people who have that dis- who have that illness, really, and recognising that you know it can happen to anyone. And we all know probably someone in our family or friends who who have suffered that. And it's and it's I think it's raising raising the issue high enough so that you know people will feel that it's not acceptable to use yeah. certain terms, really. Getting people to respect other people. Good luck with that as a campaign. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, story number two. What's a little tease towards story number two? Story number two, um, I just mentioned junior doctors. Oh, this is going to be fun. We'll deal with that on the way soon. Time 107.5. Good afternoon. I'm Steve Allen, and we are looking at uh, things that have been happening in the local papers as we do our local paper review with Chris Carter and uh, Laura Burnett, Ron for Recorder, Ilfa Recorder, and Ben Vaughan from Time 107.5. Story number two. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, so it won't surprise anyone that this week in both the Romford and Ilford recorders, we've heard from some junior doctors 
not very happy with the decision of the health secretary to impose this new contract that they've been fighting against. Mm. It's very complicated, and I think it's there's a, there's a lot of us who probably don't understand the ins and outs of what's wrong. But I think a lot of people think sort of quite sensibly think, well, if there's it says in ninety eight percent of the BMA doctors, that's quite a lot of doctors, yeah. uh, are against it then there must be something in it. Isn't that, though, you're surveying you're surveying the turkeys on the, the question pro or against Christmas, aren't you? 90, the, the, that high percentage of doctors, and you're saying, do you think this deal, which is, if bad, only going to impact doctors? The problem is it's not that simple, is it? I don't think, Steve. It's, not, it's one of those, it's not a black and white issue. Um, and as Laura says, I mean, I've looked into it and I just, I, I, I just can't really sort of make my mind up what it's all about really and, and, and the, can you even work out if it's a pay increase or a pay cut no it's so difficult no, to do the maths on no. what they get paid i mean it's based obviously as we know it's based on mr cameron's uh, aspiration of having a seven day nhs or yeah. mr hunt's whatever which is a weird just as a side point as well which is a weird concept because the people that are going on strike are the junior doctors who work seven days a week anyway the argument about a seven day a week nhs is the people doing the deeper work the radiologists and those people so why how have we ended up having a seven day a week argument against the junior doctors it's, from what I understand, it's all to do with this idea of the seven-day NHS, and it's a phrase, I think, that's just come from Jeremy Hunt and hasn't really been explained in terms of what it means, because obviously we already have a seven-day NHS, yeah. we would have, already have emergency care. But there was one survey that said uh, risk of mortality higher if you're admitted on a weekend. Yeah, that's right. And that's right, because, as you said, there's certain support services that aren't there. And also, as I understand it, um, junior doctors seem to hold up the uh, service at the weekend from what I can tell yeah. um, but I think one of the issue is is that before they were getting extra money for working Saturdays and Sundays but now it's with the seven day NHS that every day is the same so um, I think the the contractors cut the hours of the junior doctors from 90 something I think to 70 or something ridiculous which sounds pretty horrendous to yeah. me <laughs> Um but they but effectively they they will get less money because they're not getting paid extra for working Saturdays and Sundays, and also there's a concern that you know the trusts that run the hospitals will will actually sort of put more onus on the weekends anyway. So. That was the key thing, wasn't it? The check to make sure that uh, they weren't going over the hours was being removed from the terms and conditions, which means if no one's going to police a rule. Is there even a rule? Yeah. I think one one issue that hasn't really been addressed from what I've seen is that obviously if there's going to be more doctors, more elective operations, etc. being done at the weekends, there's going to have to be more, you know, porters, cleaners, you know, other... If there's going to be a seven-day... If, if the kind of normal Monday to Friday elective care and it's not just emergency, it's not just kind of the bare bones, then where's the money for all that going to come from? But actually, I think that probably the 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 thing that's come out of it is that these junior doctors basically they're not going to stay here we're not going to have these junior doctors because they're all going to go and work in other countries where they can get better working conditions and they can be happy with what they're doing i've got a friend who works he's a junior doctor he trained here he works in a hospital in new zealand and he told me that there's nine registrars in the hospital and seven of them are british so if that's now and they're already 
staffing these hospitals there I think they can go to Canada I mean they've got these qualifications where I think if they pass an exam they can work in America Mm. Um, they're just not going to stay and it seems to me more than anything whether you agree with them whether you don't agree with them whether you don't really understand the conflict for the health (laughs) health secretary to come out and just stop the negotiations and say oh well they're not they're not compromising so I'm just going to do it I'm just going to impose it and it's really um, upset them doesn't seem like necessarily a very sensible move and I think the scary thing is what what Laura's saying about obviously there's junior doctors but you need all the support services and we were saying weren't we I think the scary thing is is that they've started with the junior doctors and then they will move on to the other the nurses and the porters and that so potentially we could have months years or whatever of strikes um for all the other services that have been asked to work seven days isn't the really scary thing and i don't want to like you know rub my own politics all over this too much but isn't the really scary thing is that if you want to privatize the nhs what you do is you ruin it first and you make it so shoddy that you then go look at this look at this shoddy mess of an nhs we better privatizing get some efficiencies around it <laughs> oh cynical cynical <laughs> i am the cynical that that's, is that's actually what I am. that that is what a lot of people have suspected yeah. but um, of course i wouldn't i couldn't possibly comment if it weren't for that then i wouldn't worry too much about this threat of leaving because when when uh, hsbc threatens to leave when you know, people in the, the city threaten to leave the uk my response is always yeah good luck to you do whatever yeah. you got to do so if there's a threat of doctors leaving eventually there's a, su- a supply and demand issue enough doctors leave then there's a, a scarcity of doctors here which means their value is greater so you pay more Supply and demand, easy. Other than if you're sat in the background thinking, let's ruin this, then you st- you stop that market force from correcting the wages. You wait until it's become a ruined NHS and you privatise it. Oh, so cynical. I am. But uh, there is there is there is also suggestions that um, some hospitals they do that to some hospitals. I know there was a hospital in my hometown, which is Epping, St Margaret's Hospital there, and they and it kind of got run down and run down and run down until eventually they said, all you know, like you say, this hospital's really not fit for purpose we're going to need to close the A&E and make it a geriatric hospital because it's really not providing the service and a lot of people have actually people are suggesting that that is possibly what's happening with King George Hospital although obviously the trust would deny that Mm. um, because there's there's a threat to the the, the A&E at King George Hospital at the moment and people are saying that they're gradually um, you know running down some of the services so at some stage they can say well actually not too many people come to A&E so so we, we can close it the trusts, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people from the trust and they would deny that. And obviously they've got their side of the story and other people have their... But. Yeah, Ben, um, uh, you know the strike, when doctors strike, <clears throat> do we have more or less respect for them or do the peeps have more or less respect for them than when uh, tube drivers or firefighters strike? Well, that's a very interesting question. I think we, we were down at the Romford picket line on, uh, during the last uh, strike of junior doctors. Um, spoke to one... One striker who said, uh, um, "Who would who asked the question? Who would you trust more uh, with your health, the NHS or <laughs> Jeremy Hunt?" Um, which I thought was quite an interesting question. And he's if not a trained at, doctor, though. Pardon? I mean, he's not a trained doctor. I would not let him do anything invasive because. Unless he showed me a certificate, he ain't even put them on, on the gloves. <laughs> he wasn't actually a junior doctor, he was to yeah. say he was trained. But uh, I, I think also, if you look across the borders, Scotland and Wales, why are they not having this dispute? What? Why have the the governments there, especially in Scotland, sat down at the table and, and worked this through. Why has Jeremy Hunt suddenly just stopped the negotiations? So uh, I think the public have a lot of sympathy 
with the doctors, um, probably partly because they are doctors. Mm. Um, and uh, I suppose unless you are having regular treatment in hospital or you, or you had a, an operation booked or something, it wouldn't affect you that much on that day. Whereas if a tube yeah. uh, driver strikes, your journey to work is messed up. Right, yes. Um, I mean, your day yeah. is messed up, so there you probably have less sympathy, even though you understand the dispute more. And I guess also, obviously, I think people would, would understand if doctors get thirty, forty thousand pounds for doing their job, whereas tube drivers, if they get thirty, forty thousand pounds, whatever they do <laughs> for their job, you know, you, you balance <clears> them <throat> up. And I guess people would say, well, actually, I think a doctor who's potentially saving our lives, although of course tube drivers possibly could also be saving people's yeah. life, they stop in time. So. Who, who would you trust to do uh, to drive a train more, a tube driver or Jeremy Hunt? <laughs> Good questions. Let's leave that one hanging. Yeah, shall we? All right. Uh, so, story number three on the way. What's that one going to be? Story number three is about Barking and Dagenham providing a ninety-minute makeover. Good afternoon, I'm Stephen Allen, and as it's a Friday, we're having a crack at the local paper review, joined by Chris Carter, Laura Burnett, and Ben Vaughan as we look through some of the stories uh, from the papers. Story number three, what you got for us? Number three is a 90-minute makeover by Barking Dagenham Council, okay. and this makeover is actually of people's homes. So they're, they're really? running this scheme where um, workmen come round and do, uh, with a selected number of uh, tenants usually people who are unable to do minor jobs themselves hmm. um, where they send someone around and do a little spruce up of the home and our friend Darren Rodwell he of the DNA dogs um, <laughs> CSI dog poo yeah. yep he popped along and uh, he's pictured in the bar- in the Bark and Dagenham Post this week with a roller yeah to be honest with you obviously listeners can't see this um, picture but in this picture he's you know those rollers that you kind of go around the windows with? Oh, yeah, the little small of, ones, yeah. He's kind of got one of those on the wall. So you kind of think in 90 minutes you'd be lucky, to, <laughs> to, to be honest with you. But but it sounds quite a good scheme, actually. And um, eighty-three-year-old, um, the 83-year-old dragon, Mrs. Reeves, was very, very pleased um, with, with, with a spruce up of her house. Oh, that's good. I mean, there is... In, in a sense, with it being a 90-minute makeover, it's very similar to the TV show, you know, the 60-minute thing. Either way, you look at that and think, I'd, I'd want people to not rush. <laughs> Someone's doing up my house. You know what I mean? I want to make sure all the nails are in there rather than just some of them. In fact, you know what? Roll plug, screw. Don't be using a nail. That's the be my advice. Um, my, just my, uh, to be honest, it's my sort of DIY, really. 90 minutes is about as long as I could cope. Right. <laughs> it's a weekend's work right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the fact that he's there doing the old... He's, yeah, yeah, it's a good little, nice little PR stunt. But Darren did say that um, he's thrilled that Mrs. Reeves was happy with the work and that I didn't mess up any of the painting, so... In the small area that he did. Yeah, I'm guessing with that role he wouldn't have done, to be honest. In this modern world of social media, should we be forcing people doing these publicity photo type things to actually do the actual job? Because it wouldn't be that difficult to make sure that you see that they're the one to do the entire wall. Well, I guess if you put it on Vine, it wouldn't really tell you much, though, would it? Six seconds, that's all he does, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Like you said, I mean, would you want the council leader or would you want... Presumably they've got a team of of expert uh, decorators, so (laughs) so I don't know. That's true. Meanwhile, he's, he's out the back. In the garden with a cotton bud and some uh, dog remnant. <laughs> it's nice though. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I guess on the face of it, you know, it's 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 not massive. It's a lick of paint. But to those tenants who can't do it themselves, 
I imagine it means the world to them uh, for something, you know, for, for people to come around and to be thought of like that. So I think it's a really nice scheme. Mm. Um, it actually reminded me of, uh, so we had a reporter from the Ilford paper at the Redbridge local forum on Wednesday and I was reading her report and she said that the council leader, uh, Jazz, was saying, um, he was talking about kind of in the good old days when everyone had their front gardens were all pristine and it's part of, you know, Redbridge Council's civic pride agenda where they want people to kind of take responsibility for improving their gardens and and kind of the feeling is that if if there's real pride in in the borough that people won't fly tip Mm. and that sort of thing but maybe it's something that Redbridge could look at you know having a having a gardening team go around a sort of ground force team go around and do people's gardens for them yeah I don't know. It's a suggestion. So at least it being uh, like uh, outward facing, maybe it helps you know the rest of the world. And there is there is this statistical evidence to show that if somewhere doesn't have any litter, you're less likely to throw litter. And last time we talked about this on the the dog poop side of it, we did mention uh, broken windows, uh, Giuliani's thing in in mm-hmm. New York. Having said that, even though I brought it up last time, I'm fully aware of the fact that scientifically it was disproved. <laughs> so they've worked out that he, the theory was, let's make sure if a broken window is uh, broken, we'll replace it. You add the civic pride back to a place. The scientists now have linked it that the, the drop in crime just simply coincided with that, that there were other factors that actually pushed the crime rate down in terms of population. There's a weird thing if you actually plot... Um, lead in paint and pipes versus crime rate it matches so tightly that actually the consumption of lead is far more likely to make us mess up a place than things looking nice did you get any sense of that ben (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I, a little bit i was thinking more about i was still um, picturing darren robwell with his uh his little roller roller. maybe it's a normal (laughs) roller and he's massive (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to be the cynical one now because everyone said it's such a it's a good news story and everything. Um, I think that this could come across quite badly for him actually because as a as a big publicity stunt and it comes two weeks after we were discussing the DNA dog poo, yeah. another headline grabbing story. And I think if you ask people in Barking Dagenham, have things really improved under Darren Rodwell's uh, helm, if you like? Uh, I'm not sure if they would say yes. And I think that there's a risk of him being pictured in the paper each week doing something silly um, yeah. or, or headline grabbing or quirky that people might actually think, what on earth are you actually doing? Why are we paying our council tax? Why, why on earth do we elect you to, to run the borough? So I, I think that there's a serious side to this as well. Yes, the, the few people whose homes will be painted will be happy, but the wider the wider borough, mm. the, the so wider residents... Do I, smaller I, changes have an effect? That's the question that we're th- going to need to answer to know if it's that's good or it. bad. I suppose his his thoughts would be that the the paper might be more likely to do a bigger story if they've got a picture of him looking silly. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying um, rather than it would just be sort of a short piece saying like, oh, the council are offering this new service. But yeah, I can. I suppose you don't elect your council leader to to go around sort of posing posing in the paper but then it's it's another one of those debates that we yeah. often have isn't it you know but even if he weren't even if somehow the publicity was there without him physically turning up for one one uh, visit to spend five minutes making it look like he's painting so it's not taking that much out of his diary but it's more about the fact that these are the things that he's bringing in the small changes of there'll be less dog mess around and there'll be some flats that look nicer is that 
actually going to affect it's like a trickle up effect into society i think as in all boroughs there's major issues in barking and dagenham but i think and, and this is what darren was saying about the dog poo um situation doesn't he? he was saying that these these are the things that people are concerned about and whether you agree with that or not is is, is, is another thing isn't it but in general i think you find that it's the little things that really annoy people and if council tenants are, i mean we get loads of stories from people complaining about the conditions of their council houses, complaining about damp and various things like that. And and that's what people are concerned about. And they, they do, you know, I, I can see what Ben's saying, but I do think that there are little things that the councils can do, in particularly when they've got very tight budgets, mm. that can make a difference to people's lives. So if you have got a bathroom with with mould and needs a bit of a paint-up, you know, it, it does make a difference to your life, you know. So... I don't know. I think I, I can see two sides of it, but I do think that you know some some residents will actually appreciate um, their homes being being improved even in a small way. Tommy yeah, Walsh, man. Having said what I what I said then, uh, having said all that, if Roger Ramsey is listening, then my spare room could do with a lick of time. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> At the moment, for some reason, it's full of dog mess, and no one knows why. If we can get some DNA done in there, we'll get this solved two birds, one stone. Well, Darren's set, set the bar there, hasn't he? You know, every, we, we need all our council leaders to uh, step up to the plate, don't we, really? So, yeah. yeah. Could you imagine Jazz Athwell with a trowel? Maybe? No. Reading a few fa- I imagine flower beds him, in the bar. Well, I don't know. Yeah, well, well, that's a challenge, isn't it? If yeah. Jazz is listening, you know... Do you know what? I think if people could see politicians doing some actual work for once, as in actual physical work, we gain more respect for them. What, like like Boris? When, but Boris. Whenever he does anything, yeah. he falls <laughs> on his face. In a hard hat. If, that, uh, mo- if the duck house guy had built his own duck house, we'd been like, fine, you have a duck house, you overprivileged whatever. Um, so, yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for... Uh, oh, the big... Qu- I can't believe I'm not asked the big question yet. If people are going to be buying their romper recorder, the big question is, to which page should they should they zoom through to see the thoughts of uh, Mr. Stephen Allen, who can't even remember what he's written about this week? The number one column of the week is on page 20. But what about my column? Oh, is that? Oh, I see. Was that? Oh, page twenty. Hey, page twenty. Check it yeah, out. it was. Um, it was. It was a bit of a grumpy old man moan, actually, Steve. I had a lot of early starts recently. Yeah, I'm about, very grumpy. Uh, I can't remember now. Progress, change. I don't like it. And you're yeah. talking about tomorrow's world and about yes, all that sort that, of thing. That's yeah, a very good point. Yeah. Uh, the tomorrow's world. In the, uh, in the olden days, they used to think that we'd all have. There was a robot that played snooker. Where's that? <laughs> Every time I turn up to a snooker hall, it ain't there. So I think any of these predictions about the future are a load of rubbish. <laughs> and you can read it first yeah, in the record. Still- <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in that grumpy mood. Uh, beautiful. We'll have this as a podcast available on the internet at some point. Thank you very much for joining me. Chris Carter, Laura Burnett, Ben Vaughan, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the local paper review. Listen live to the next review Friday, 2pm on Time 107.5.